1: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast that celebrates the Scottish food and drink industry. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and on this episode, I'm joined by Badgill bakery owner and star baker, Jenny Yonetta. This is a timely episode as the Bake Off has just recently started again on Channel 4. Many of us are getting back into the kitchen and baking our own cakes and biscuits, I spoke to Jenny about her baking journey and how chance early morning job application changed her career. She also discusses her favourite bakes, her newly released cookbook, and gives some advice for budding bakers. Today I'm joined by Jenny from Badgill Bakery. Hi Jenny, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's a nice, lovely sunny day, um, just the start of autumn, which always makes me feel like it's a good time to start eating a lot of cakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're absolutely right, definitely. You need a bit of comfort now, I think.
1: Yeah, it's getting colder. Um, but yeah, so your your path into baking for a living is quite an interesting one. So um, what can you tell us about that?
0: It all really happened by accident, I have to say. Um, I'd always loved baking at home, really loved being a home baker. And I sort of fantasised about um, a career in food, but it didn't really seem particularly viable. It wasn't something I'd thought about when I was making my university choices or anything like that. But it was always something I really fantasised about, the idea of having my own place, but it didn't really seem like something that would ever happen And it all really came about by accident, if I'm honest with you. I randomly applied for a job on Gumtree. That's how old I am. Uh, (laughs) A job on Gumtree. Someone was looking for someone to uh, bake cakes for their cafe in St Andrews and I wasn't sleeping it was two o'clock in the morning and I decided I would apply for this job and uh, randomly got it and it kind of all started from there I have to say um, really by accident and I think one of the best accidents I've ever ever had.
1: So were you looking for a career change at that time or was it just sort of sort of right place right time for what you? I
0: I was no I really was looking for a career change my background's in, in arts marketing And I'd worked for um, the BBC, I'd worked for Scottish Opera and I'd worked for theatre companies and loved it. But I think like lots of people, I kind of, in the beginning, mistook being good at something with enjoying it. And I think as my career progressed, I got more and more stressed and my work-life balance got less and less um, positive. And I think at that point, I'd been ill and for the first time for a long time, I'd been off work. And I think that's what gave me the... The kind of space to think actually this isn't for me I want to do something else but I don't think at that point if I hadn't seen that advert I don't think I would have had the nerve to do anything about it I think it was just the right thing at the right time yeah
1: and uh, as you know you've mentioned you've you've always been quite a keen home baker and um, do you come from like a family of bakers or foodies is, is that kind of something that runs in your family or no?
0: Um, we all like to eat, certainly. <laughs> um, uh, my, I, I kind of attribute my love of baking to my my big sister Vicky, who's the most amazing savoury cook. She, um, she's one of these people who can open a fridge and there's like an onion and a bit of celery and some something else, and she'll make the most amazing food. And she never follows recipes, but she hated baking. And so whenever there was a family get together, I would be the one providing the sweet things and she would do the savoury. So I think it really came from there. And I suppose I got into sweet because she was such an amazing savoury cook but I didn't kind of want to go up against it. I thought I'll do something different and that's
1: that's how it works I think I don't know if this was at around about the same time as you started into it, but back in 2008 I remember when the recession hit loads of people were made redundant or like looking for new work and a lot of people mm. set up like you know cupcake companies and businesses mm-hmm. and that type of thing what if there's people who are now thinking oh I really enjoy baking. I'd quite like to get into it what kind of advice would you have would you say like go off and you know train with someone or get a job doing it and you know how you know it's, it's worked out really well for you but what what mm would your advice be
0: oh that's a really good question I would say if you're passionate about it absolutely do it um I think it's incredibly hard work and working for yourself brings stress that I that I didn't have when I was working in as part of an organization because it's just you and I think that you've I think you've got to be really passionate about it because you're really sort of putting yourself out there um but I would say go for it it has to be the most rewarding thing I've ever done and while I wish that I'd gone away and trained in lots of ways, I'm not formally trained at all. I'm absolutely a home baker and um, learned everything I know from, you know, blogs and books and programmes just the same as everyone else. So it, like you say, it works out for me. I was incredibly lucky, but I I, I, I kind of do wish I'd committed to this passion earlier in my life and gone ahead and trained and uh, and maybe done some formal training. But I don't, I, I certainly am living proof that that's not necessary, but I would have loved to have done that.
1: And you mentioned programmes, obviously we're at the start of the Great British Bake Off. Um, do you watch it? Oh God, I'm a bit obsessed. We used to before, <laughs> I really am, it's quite
0: sad. Before lockdown, we used to have um, Bake Off nights in the cafe. We, all the staff, we'd cook dinner and all the staff, we'd, we'd project Bake Off onto the wall in the cafe. We'd all watch it together while eating dinner together, which was just really lovely. That was the days so when you could all get together. Uh, and I really loved it. i love the I, I love reality programs like that that are about watching people um succeed at something that they maybe didn't think they were gonna be great at um so I love it I have to say I'm less fond of the you know make a three d image of yourself out of biscuit. Sort of stuff, because <laughs> I think it's less and less about flavour and more and more about uh, another skill. You know, it's definitely a skill, but my uh, for me is about flavour and texture and things tasting great. And yeah, they've got to look appetising, but I'm less keen on the lots of fondant, lots of colour um, it's a huge skill and my heart goes off to anyone that can do it, but it's not my area of expertise or interest, really.
1: Yeah, because I, I love baking as well. And I, every year I think, oh, should I apply for that? And then I watch it and think, there's no way on this earth I could do that. And I don't know how you, you work out how that you can do that. <laughs> no. I,
0: mean, I think I think, I think think the contestants that do really well are, are un, um, unbelievably talented. So, so to be able to bake things that taste really good, and to be able to create these things out of basically sugar and flour and eggs and things and make them look the way they do those, those are two completely different skills I think so to have them both is pretty pretty astounding um but yeah I, I don't think I've got the patience for all of that you know 3d models out of gingerbread and yeah, No, not for me
1: <laughs> um do you think it does get more people into baking at home though that program oh, Absolutely. But I think anything that celebrates people achieving something that they're passionate about has got to be. It's
0: one of these reality programmes that's about celebrating your success and and watching people's joy when they create something they really love. I just think that's fantastic TV and really something to be celebrated.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's a a nice sort of break from the normal reality TV of kind of setting people up for a fall or like watching drama or yeah
0: (laughs) exactly it's a bit like I don't know if you remember faking it it was reality TV about getting training people to do things they couldn't do and it was the first I think Bake Offs really like that it's the first it's one of these pro, and I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure there's lots of things I'm not, not scripted but it's managed and all of that but actually it's about people doing things they didn't think they'd be able to and I just think that's kind of wonderful.
1: So you are based um, up north. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you? Is that where you're from, or did you move there? What, what's your story? No, did you... no.
0: <laughs> oh God, that's a story and a half. So I, um, I was uh, living in Dundee at the time, from Dundee, and uh, um, I was living in Dundee, and um, i had got my first job in Baking. Um, a, uh, in a company called Baby's, um which was a cupcake bakery and I loved it um, um, I absolutely loved it and I probably if I hadn't met my now husband I'd like to imagine I would still be there um, it was a fantastic job uh, but I met Douglas who's now my husband who was um, who lives in the, high, who lived in the Highlands and he was a single father to our, my now son Felix so it was never a discussion that he would move to Dundee to be with me. It was always about, well, you know, Felix lives here, he goes to nursery here. So I moved to the Highlands to be with them. Um, yeah, and that's that's how I ended up here.
1: And how do you, if if you do, find that your location sort of influences your business and your baking? Is it, is oh, it quite a... Well-
0: That's a great question because I think the Highlands is an amazing place um, to be a food producer. Um, I think there's um, a real culture of supporting food producers and small scale food producers. So there's um, food fairs and uh, village markets and food and drink events but also, I think geography is not uh, not as big a thing as it might be in the Central Belt. So our customers think nothing of a 50 mile round trip to come and get cake from us, which I think if we were living in the Central Belt might not happen in the same way. And I think I I think I can attribute a lot of our success to, to being in the Highlands and, and being able to grow from such a small home-based producer into uh, you know, someone with bricks and mortar premises. I think the Highlands is an amazing place to start a food business.
1: And also in normal times I'm assuming you also kind of benefit from tourism as well mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely,
0: um, and 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 I think that's a huge part of what we do. And we have people who, you know, from all over the UK. say oh, my friend was here uh, last summer visiting, and they recommended we come to you. And that's just hugely rewarding. Um, yeah, hugely rewarding. And I think we we still we even I think the tourism start to pick up a bit. and We're starting to see more people from all over the world, which is it's really important to us.
1: And how was lockdown? Were you able to carry on doing anything or no? Um, <laughs> the first
0: lockdown was massively stressful like you know for us and everyone else so you know absolutely because at that point we actually didn't know whether the business would survive we didn't know what support was in place we didn't know how long it would last um, and, and I was looking back now I wish I'd known that it would have been okay and, and been able to use that time a little less with a little less stress um, but actually loads of good came of it I have to say, I mean, it really devastated our business in a lot of ways. We lost our wholesale side of things. Um, And as awful as all of that was, loads of good came out of it. I think having that moment to stop and take a moment and think about your business and think about whether it's going in the direction you want it to do. And, you know, are you, um, you know, do we need to stop and review how we do things? What are are we missing? What could we do better? And I think as we'd grown so quickly, we didn't have the chance to do that and lockdown absolutely gave us the chance to stop and breathe and go right okay what do we do to get through this what are we good at what could we be better at what do we need to do? do to survive this time and it changed the shape of our business and I would have to say for the better.
1: Were you doing sort of like takeaway and like you know what what kind of changes have you brought in that are better?
0: So many I mean for a while we stayed closed because we're in a really small village and it seemed I mean I knew we knew we brought people in from all over the Highlands and we really really struggled kind of morally and ethically about actually you know is it the right thing to be open should we be bringing people into the village and should we be putting ourselves at risk and all of that. And I think we were we were overly cautious in the beginning. Um, I started the blog at that point. I started a blog and I, I I was really struggling with not working very hard. And I started a blog then and we shared recipes. And it was hugely rewarding to kind of have people um, make those recipes and and message us or put stuff on Facebook. So, you know, we made them and it felt like we have stayed connected with our customers while we were closed. And as then as things opened up a little bit, we started doing takeaway only and things like that. And then, you know, as things opened up, we got as close to normal as we are now. Um, so yeah, we we kept having to change and adapt. But I suppose the biggest change was um we changed our offering quite considerably. We really developed the savory side of things, which I have to say was kind of really well just terribly ignored because we focused on the cake and we did good savoury stuff, but I didn't put the same effort into that side of the business. We really developed that and got a new head chef who has really helped kind of turn that into um, a much stronger part of the business. We started a daily offering where we sell our own sort of cake mix and, you know, our you know, here's a kit to make a cake, here's the, our granola or pancake mix, things like that. Um, yeah, so it's it's really changed the business for the better.
1: Yeah. And one of the things um, that is a bit of a change for you, I must, this is your first book coming out, right? You've got a book <laughs> coming out. Yeah. Cookbook. <laughs> and I, I should say, I am one of the people who made one of your recipes. It's uh, the, the gluten-free chocolate brownie cookies, which are amazing. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, you wouldn't know that they were gluten-free. Is that is that something that you've kind of always had like a sort of dietary offering for, you know, vegan or gluten-free or that kind of thing?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, uh, plant-based cake and vegan cakes have become much bigger in the last, I would say, two years. Um, but one of the amazing things about our, what we do is we put out a different selection of cakes every single day. So um, like my, my background's in marketing, so when we're talking about the cake selection... We actually, and it maybe sounds a bit pretentious, but we actually design it. So we look at the offering every single day and go, right, OK, do we have something that your granny would choose? Do we have something super indulgent? Do we have something that's gluten free, that's vegan, that people would, that's a good cake, that people would choose regardless of it being free from? And kind of most cake is square and brown. <laughs> if you think about it, so and and we are not we don't use artificial colours and things like that or fondants or things. So we just we we work hard to des- design the display that isn't just all square and dry It's got different shapes and sizes and textures, and kind of hopefully appeals to lots of different people when they come in. And free from just become has become a much bigger part of that as as kind of time has gone on.
1: Is that a sort of similar? sort of thinking behind your book is it all different types of bakes for different types of people and diets and, and that kind of thing the book kind of took a natural
0: shape i i knew that i wanted to have a chapter called cakes
1: for breakfast which is a, a
0: whole other story yeah, but it kind of took shape and i worked with i mean kitchen press are just amazing i've always been a huge fan of of all their cookbooks um, and i have to say that uh, it felt pretty daunting to be in the company of you know p- uh, the publishers who published our food heroes books you know And we still feel a bit like imposters, I have to say, but um, they helped us put the book together in a way that um, kind of matches how we do things in the shop. So the cake for breakfast chapter was about um, sweet bakes that you feel okay about eating in the morning, Uh, because when you've got a bakery that's open all day, you want to be able to have something that people want to choose no matter what time of day it is. So in the morning, people tend not to want chocolate or you know big fancy layer cakes. They want something they feel comfortable eating in the morning. So the first chapter in the book is called Cake for Breakfast. And in each of the chapters, there's something, there's there's a, a, a vegan option, gluten-free options, or you know, things that might not have eggs, etc. etc. Just trying to get a kind of broad range of things.
1: Nice. And what advice would you have for anyone who's quite hesitant at baking? Because I've got some friends who, in theory, would enjoy it, but, you know, it always goes wrong or they're sort of not confident with recipes. Is there mm-hmm. anything sort of hard and fast advice you have for people like that? Oh, Another good question. Um, <laughs> I, I I would say,
0: I mean, certainly some recipes are super, super complicated. And I don't think any of the ones in the book, I mean, we're not interested in really complex technical recipes. I think starting off with a really, really simple recipe, a brownie or something where the scope for things going wrong is really, really small. Um, start off with something super, super simple and follow the recipe to the letter. I think the thing about baking is you can't, you know, in the beginning, you can't really mess around with the proportions, etc. in the same way that you can't do with savoury cooking. So, I mean, what I did in my baking was I baked other people's recipes. Before I opened the business, I baked other people's recipes and, and did them till I did them well, and when I, you know, and get your get your confidence from that. But you know, I was I always start off really simple. There's not much you can do wrong with a brownie, for example. And I would start off with something like that. Also, who doesn't like a brownie?
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, and who? So, do you have f- favourite sort of famous chefs that you follow, or that have because sort of influenced you? Um, oh, my goodness.
0: I, I I I wish you could see I've got, you know, something like 200 cookbooks at the last count. I'm completely obsessed. It's going to sound really cheesy, but I have a friend called Gillian Veal, who who for the past, I don't know, 18 years ran a, has run a cafe in Dundee called the Parlour Café. And she was the first person that I knew personally who took the leap and, and and had a career in food. And I think her first book was published 10 years ago. And I still look at it to this day. Um, but I still, I mean, I love a Nigella recipe. I love her attitude to indulgence and you know uh, and, and shortcuts and not being too um technical about things. Um, I I bought the Dishoom cookbook for so many people as presents because I love the food there and I just got it for myself recently and I'm blown away by that but I have to say my favourite cookbook is always the one that I just bought and I'll be obsessed with it and read it from cover to cover then move on to something else so yeah if you ask me again tomorrow it'll be a completely different answer
1: that's what I was going to say as well do you read them all so have you read all your 200 cookbooks yet? Yeah? <laughs> like, like books from cover to cover
0: my, my um, mother-in-law in fact I wish I had it here my mother-in-law I would show you um, in fact I do have it here uh, just the other day gave me a book called Lady Maclean's Diplomatic Cooking or something like that and um, it's from 1975 and it's the most amazing book from all of these, um, uh, with con- contributions from all of these these people. And it's all about, I don't know, terrines of this and that. And there's lots of, but it's just astounding because it's like, um, it's like history, you know, it's it's a style of cooking we don't do now. Uh, and I'm totally obsessed with that.
1: Yeah, it's like the, the Scotch kitchen. That's There's a really famous kind of old school Scottish book, book cookbook and it's same it's mm-hmm. like things you can't even imagine that people <laughs> would eat <laughs> exactly and one of the things i really love i love the Biro baking book um because
0: there's a real kind of kind of frugal simplicity about it and the recipes all always work you know so yeah I, I do i read them from cover to cover i have to say it's quite sad
1: no i do i do that but i do that with nigel slater um very specific nigel slater's um christmas chronicles i read that mm-hmm. like a book which is weird and my family are always like what are you doing every december i'm like yeah well there's stories in there too <laughs> oh no i love it i'm glad it's not
0: just me it makes me really happy
1: <laughs> um so do you have um this sorry you probably get asked this all the time but do you have a favorite bake is there something that you make all the time that makes you think yeah i, I love this
0: um there's something so again my favourite bake uh, is all, so we we spend a lot of time on research and development and we do seasonal menus and autumn is my most favourite time to bake because I always say everything gets darker and stickier and more indulgent and you're into spices and so I love autumn baking we've just started our autumn menu so yesterday we did a a spiced ginger cake that has got a brown, a ginger, a ginger brown sugar glaze, and I absolutely, I love that. But again, if you ask me tomorrow, it'll be whatever new new one we put on the on the menu. But there's one thing. So making a brownie, every time I make a brownie, I remember why it is that I love baking because there's a moment in what uh, in our recipe where the mixture looks a bit grainy, a bit split, and a bit kind of unpromising. And you just do a couple more stars, and it turns into the most smooth, glossy, chocolatey mixture. And it's just the most simple, amazing moment. And it's not a complicated recipe and it works every time. And I just love that moment where it turns from this mess into something that looks amazing. Um, And I suppose it's about... So we teach baking classes um, and we do a baking class for beginners. And a lot of the time I'm saying to people, you just hold your nerve because actually... it really doesn't look very promising at the moment, but just give it a minute and actually it'll all turn out fine. So yeah, that's an amazing moment every time.
1: And can you so talking about autumn and bacon, do you do any sort of pumpkin pumpkin spice? <laughs> you know yeah just,
0: oh my goodness so we we um we've all we've always done a, a pumpkin spice layer cake that was um uh, it's got uh, my mother-in-law's homemade apple jelly in the middle of it and toasted pumpkins round the side uh, so that's around outside so that's always been a bestseller. but we did one the other day which was a spiced pumpkin cake that had um bramble jam in the middle of it and a brown sugar buttercream and it's just that kind of you know um lovely, autumn-y, spicy, yeah, it's one of my favourites.
1: And is your mother-in-law, you mentioned her, she got you the cookbook and you've got her Mm. um, jam, is she quite a sort of good influence as well? Does she get involved or is she just, is she a good cook, baker, that kind of thing?
0: I think she, I think she, um, she's been really great uh, at, kind of she's always been uh, sort of like you know beach she's got a bear bacon book and um oh, uh, she's like she's but she hasn't got a huge cookbook collection but the one she has she's worked your she husband for years so you know one of those held together with a an elastic band and she kind of cooks this and she bakes their sort of favorites um but um yeah my my all of our family my side of the family uh, are really big on baking and so my mum's lemon curd recipes in the book for example uh, and my sister's cake tiffin recipes in the book so yeah it's definitely a collaboration.
1: That's nice Um, and are you um is your side of the family Italian, is that your kind of heritage, is that right? I'd
0: love to say that, but there's nothing at I'm totally Dundonian. My <laughs> grandfather was it a- totally Dundonian. My grandfather was Italian, um, but he was very keen that his sons um didn't speak Italian, you know, actually, you know, were where you know, adapt were, adapted to where they live. So I would love to tell you I've got an exotic Italian background, but I'm really pretty much Dundonian through and through.
1: Um and uh so getting back to um your bakery, why why did you call it Bad Girl Bakery? <laughs> okay so there's so it's about
0: kind of gently poking fun uh people who frown on indulgence so everyone's got someone in their family or someone they know who um either doesn't like indulgence or pretends to disapprove of indulgence so when you reach for a cake it's oh you bad girl and it's usually women you know it's usually you know And it's that notion that, yeah, absolutely, cakes are a treat and you shouldn't eat them all the time. And it's sort of gently poking fun at that notion that treating yourself is bad. Um, And we always say that we think people don't treat themselves as often as they should do. Everyone's much more health conscious. So when they do have a treat, it kind of has to count. You don't want to waste your calories or your time or, you know, that treat and eat something and be disappointed. So for us, it's about actually, yeah, we're about treats and we're about really indulgent treats, and we don't expect you to eat them all the time. But when you do, we want you to be really glad that you did.
1: Yeah, definitely worth the calories. Exactly. <laughs> so you've got your book coming out, but um what other plans do you have for the future? Since we're slowly getting out of COVID, I know. Do you know
0: it's um, it's really exciting. I. I I'm so excited about the book coming out. It's not something we ever imagined we'd do. And I'm so excited about that. I'm absolutely petrified as well, obviously, because it feels like such a big deal. Um, So I haven't really, you know, sort of thinking about November and when the book comes out and what comes next. But I'm just writing a whole lot of new classes and courses because we haven't been able to have people in the bakery because of COVID. Um, doing those, is just super super exciting, and there's I have to say there's nothing more um, rewarding than having a group of people in the bakery, and they're all really nervous to start with, and then they do the class, and they come away feeling really proud of themselves. So we're excited about that. We've got potential of new premises coming up. That I can't say much more about, but hopefully, hopefully things going well, we'll be opening a second bakery. Um, in the new year so we're kind of tentatively working on that at the moment but also now that Covid is less of an issue getting our cake caravan we've got a lovely Airstream inspired caravan that we do street food from so getting that back out again would be amazing
1: yeah that'd be nice and so do you usually Mm. take that to like festivals and yeah yeah yeah, so we, um, la- uh,
0: whenever we're on, we've done things like Belladrum with them and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, there's really good fun. So, just getting, I suppose, our, our ambitions at the moment are about just getting back to normal and getting the business back to where it was before COVID.
1: Uh, so, the final bit of the podcast is um, there's a quick fair round of questions about food. <laughs> <but> <laughs> one of the things I ask, um, tend to ask, which sometimes people need to th- time to think about, is if your dream dinner party guests, I don't know if you've been asked this before, but if you, could, Never. <laughs> if you could invite three people to a dinner party dead or alive, who would they be and why? Wow, thats a, I needed
0: advance notice of that question. That's a brilliant question um okay number one would be my Italian grandfather who was the most dapper man you'd ever met in your life he used to wear a three-piece suit and a fedora I don't remember him very he died when I was very very young so I'd have him definitely oh who else would I have um oh that's a tough question it's just so far it's just me and my granddad that would be a great (laughs) dinner party of oh, so many foodie heroes, I have to say, I'd love Tom Kerridge to come. I think he's, I think he's fantastic. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's two so far. That's got to be enough, surely.
1: <laughs> if I think of another one, I'll let you know. Okay, maybe maybe the third one we could say is your husband. <laughs> oh, also, all right, also, all right, he can come too. He's nice. Doesn't he's in company. To be, but there you go. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, my life and food is the quick fire round. Um, so five questions all about food, if you tell me the first thing that comes into your head, if that's okay. OK.
0: Okay, that sounds nerve-wracking, but let's do
1: it. <laughs> Whenever I'm hungry, I think of toast. Comfort food for me is pasta. My favorite childhood dessert is.
0: Oh: <laughs> 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 I'll have to explain this, but it's called crushed chickens and pineapples. OK. <laughs> I
1: take it's not actual chicken no it's not actual chicken I promise okay I promise Um, my food heaven is Uh, street food um, yeah street food uh, spitalfields and my food hell is avocado it's the food of the devil oh so what is
0: what is your chicken (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's a real one of these really terrible childhood things that aren't funny to anyone else unless you're our brothers and sisters um uh, we uh, my dad was making lunch for us once and uh and he got me we were having them um, crushed pineapple and chicken soup and it turned into crushed chicken and pineapple soup but i might want to change my answer he used to make funny face custard which was basically just tin custard with faces made out of fruit cocktail mm, okay so crushed chickens and pineapple soup or funny face custard
1: Sophisticated taste, you can see. Yeah, well, I was going to say chicken soup and pineapple is an interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> Very sophisticated food, uh, food person, obviously. <laughs> Um, well that was great thank you very much is there anything else that you'd want to add or chat about not at all i always absolutely
0: love chatting about uh cake so it's been a real uh, pleasure talking to you and thanks for asking me
1: that's all right thank you and i'm going to i need to look out for your book because I, I love baking as well i find it really sort of relaxing and therapeutic and i don't have the time during lockdown i did loads and now i'm like i never have the time anymore but i did eat a lot so <laughs> kind of swings and roundabouts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Jenny for being my guest and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Scran is a laudable podcast that's hosted and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.